It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Judd's Hockey Show, welcome to another edition. Uh, Judd's Vlog, uh, Declan Goff, and uh, talked last week about the Wilds GM search continuing. We have some new news, uh, thanks to Michael Russo of The Athletic, Declan, for that. And also, uh, Michael sat down with uh, Wild coach Bruce Boudreaux and had a lengthy conversation that yielded some interesting stuff, including if you're hockey geeks like us, oh, yeah. line combinations, oh, which, yes. which I actually devoured last night. I'm like, this oh, is yeah. great. I'm writing down the combinations. Um, first of all, what type of a predicament or, or situation do you think, and how interesting is this to you, that Bruce is going into the last year of his contract, he's back for sure, and we've always said he should be back. He's done a very yeah. nice job. There's no GM now, though. Like he, pri- you got to think that he privately has to be thinking. I thought I was coming to a team four years ago that had a chance to win a Stanley Cup, and now this is just a cluster bleep. It is. Poor guy's too on his what third GM in four seasons. I mean, Fletcher yeah. hired him. He had Fenton last year, and now he's going to get a new guy to basically observe him in the last year of his contract, which has got to be just the most interesting spot for a for a veteran head. This is a veteran head coach to be in. Boudreaux is not Mike Yo. He's not a he's not Todd Richards. He's not like this. All right, we're gonna we're gonna throw this at the wall and we're gonna see what happens here. He's a pretty well respected coach in the NHL. So the fact that whoever comes in here has to basically determine his fate, and I think Boudreaux has done a pretty good job of answering those questions, just knowing like, hey, if I if I win, which is what he's mostly done throughout his entire coaching career, right, that's going to take care of itself. But it's definitely going to be a predicament of right now on August thirteenth as we record that there's no GM or there's no yeah, there's a GM vacancy essentially for this team, and some guy is going to have to determine Bruce Boudreaux's fate in basically six months' time, who isn't even in. in the organization yet. So it, it's uh, got to be a weird spot for him to be in right now. So here's where I'm torn there, too. Bruce has done a really good job because I think given all of the BS that he's had to put up with here the last few years yeah. and the Fenton thing and, you, you know, going back to what Mike wrote when he did the play-by-play of uh, the demise of Paul Fenton, that Fenton was trying to fire Boudreaux actively at times. <laughs> and Craig was basically saying no. Um where I'm torn is this, though. I'm very much a believer that a GM should be able to bring in his own coach as well. And so, like, if the guy likes Bruce, that's great. But if the guy, but if, if whoever gets the GM job says, you know, I, I want my coach, I don't think it's fair. And again, I don't want Craig saying you can't do that because in my world, the new GM needs to get Craig to 
to be willing to remove himself largely from the day to day. Right. Like if Craig wants to come to the games, he he can come. But yeah. I don't want you. I don't want you saying, "Well, I really like Bruce and stuff." So I'm torn because I think Bruce deserves the job. I think Bruce ultimately probably deserves to stay. But I also don't know that that w- that would be fair to Fenton's successor to tell him, you know what, you've got the job, but here's your coach for the next. I don't know, three years or something. Right. It's it's almost an eerily similar situation to what the Twins had when Falvine walked in, and then the Twins have a pop-up season in 2017. It's like, well, we can't. He's not our guy. We inherited him, but we can't fire a guy who just led this team from the abyss into a wild-card berth, and that's pretty much in the same boat that Boudreaux is in right now. I will say um, Bruce is, even though he's an up there in age and he's been around the block a few times, I think he's pretty forward-thinking. For a guy of his age, he's not someone that is really set in his ways. I think he's he's okay with listening to new ideas and listening to analytics and and hearing out new ideas on how to that win. That was Fenton who did yeah. the analytics. And it was the op- yeah, it was Fenton that that literally just uh, wanted to do everything his way. So I'll I give Bruce credit where I don't think he's this old school hockey guy that I'm going to do everything it's my way or the highway. I do think he's always open to conversations and ways to be better. Uh but you're you're right that even though Boudreaux probably deserves the job, and I would like to see him stay here in Minnesota beyond this season, it's it's a tough spot to be in if you're a new boss coming in and just saying, well, I'm going to keep you because I should. No, like he's going to have to evaluate and understand that is, is, if Boudreaux is going to be the right you, guy. that you like. Mm-hmm. Fenton had, had the guy with Milwaukee at Everson, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay, and then <laughs> he, he had been the head coach of the Nashville AHL affiliate the, I believe it was the Admirals. Milwaukee Admirals. Yeah. And and so uh, Dean got the assistant job here, but that was really awkward because it was like Everson then is looking down Boudreaux, you know, and so basically you just have to say, I think that if you get the job and you've got a guy, and it's, it's too late for now, but after this year you've got to say, if this is my, you know, uh, Craig, that this is the guy I want. Right. I can't be – so <laughs> – Again, this gets into the very weird dynamic because it does seem like uh, Craig Leopold is involved in a lot of day-to-day stuff that you would prefer an owner sort of take a step back from. Right. Uh, And to the point about Bruce, he is 64. So he's not a kid. But, yeah, I think he is – I think he and Zim actually have a bit in common in the sense that there definitely can be sort of old, gruff, crusty guys – but there's new ideas they buy into. Yeah. It's not like the old, uh, you know, the analytics people don't know what they're talking about. I think if you present uh, those guys with cases to, to be made of, hey, if you do this, it's going to improve your football and or hockey team. Yeah. They'll definitely listen. And I remember when Torchetti took over and the Wild got ousted by the Stars, the Wild basically waited it out with Boudreaux and Anaheim that they knew mm-hmm. if Anaheim falls in their face again or if they just game don't seven. get to the cup. He couldn't win the game seven. They're going to fire him. Uh, yep. And that's going to be such an intriguing situation that, all right, let's say the Wild don't make the playoffs. They're a 500 team. They're they're 10th in the West, which is where they're going to be heading. Um, do you wait to give Boudreaux that extension? Like, Do you go into the next day of the of the regular season being, you know what, Bruce, we're going to – here's a – Fancy new three-year deal, or do you have to wait it out and think, all right, well, who's the lame duck coach that's in Boudreaux's situation from five, six years ago? That's going to be an extremely intriguing situation. Or is there a young coach, which they could go back to. Yeah, I I think— That's what I'm saying is this is so dysfunctional, I have no idea. Yeah, if, you know— and with the candidates that are remaining right now, obviously Waddell is pulled out, and, and honestly, good for him playing poker with, uh, with well, Carolina. Well, the fact that, that the guy who owns the, the Hurricanes now, is it Thomas Dundon? 
Doden. Something like that, yeah. He doesn't believe in contracts? Yeah, I don't. So the whole story was Waddell's like, am I going to get a contract? And he's like, I don't like to give my employees contracts. And so basically he used the wild to be like, I'm going to leave. And and then the guy's like, I'll give you a a contract. But this is the same guy who uh, bought a a big stake of uh, the Alliance Football League and almost immediately folded it. (laughs) But he doesn't believe it came down to he doesn't believe in contracts. Yeah. He doesn't like to give out contracts. But it's like this is sports, dude. Yeah, you can't. I, you know, That's not look, how this works. I'm all for the progressive, forward thinking businessman, right? Yep. Like in some cases, that's fantastic. I think that's great. But sports, you're going to have the guy work without a some type of parachute potentially? Yeah. Sports is never going to work that way, will it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. If you're an owner, you're going to have to. I'm a GM, but I have no contract. Okay, then I can get blown out yeah. tomorrow. And I, I don't think Waddell. I mean, he was probably intrigued by Minnesota, but it was a complete poker play by him being like, "Look, I think he had to do it. I, I have to do this." My so, guess is, my guess is Craig said because they're they're friends. Yeah. My guess is Leopold told him, "You know what? I like you. Right. I'll talk to you, but most importantly." I'll help get you a contract in Carolina. Pretty much. Because I didn't know until I read Russell's story yesterday that this came down to not believing in contracts. Exactly. So that's all it boiled down to and from the hurricane, which is, yeah. again, the, the Hurricanes are in such an interesting spot because even though they had this great pop-up season, the whole bunch of jerks went, I think that's great. It really, I think, revitalized hockey in Raleigh, and that that was awesome for them. But they're still... They're still the Hurricanes. They still have a very— Oh, they're not— they, they, Yeah, there's no permanent corner turn. And their goaltenders were fa- yeah. fabulous, but they had two, and now one of them— No, there's a lot of things that could Very volatile. Very volatile right now, I Absolutely. think, going into that season. That was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. But I think if you, I think if you believe that Carolina has now established itself yeah. anywhere near the top of the Eastern Conference, you're delusional. Yeah, I, I think uh, from the business side of things, Carolina's probably looking at it like, oh, God, this was delicious. This is the best, this was was the best situation that we could be in from just a year ago. But from a actual team side, I they were they were failing at the box office, yeah. right? Yeah, they were. They they could have been a they relocation team. Well, they could, they, have been. and they, they still probably, could be. They probably should have been. Yeah. Instead of Gary, Gary and the greedy owners <laughs> taking the money from Vegas and Seattle, that drives me crazy. Right. I've talked about this a thousand. Yeah, that, that, times. but that's absurd. you know, Carolina, Florida Panthers, um, the Coyotes, who've now been sold again, right. Get them the hell out of some of those towns. You know, Florida, the state of Florida, one team, Tampa, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Florida, it makes no sense. So so it's going to be really interesting with the remaining candidates, tie it back to the Minnesota, where this, where they view Bruce and where they fit into the long-term plan. So I think, obviously, I think it's Hextall and Gearin seem to be the early on one, two possible favorites to land the job. I yeah. think that's that seems inevitable. I think did they get a second interview they may have. They, They're I, going to. I know they've had very Garen good and first are going to, yes. And then Fitzgeralds and a Brian Lawton, and there's some you know dark horse candidates out there. But it, it to me seems like it's it's going to be Hextall or Gearin. Okay, so Hextall to me, I'm going to be a little bit surprised because yep. because as we talked about on the last Judd's Hockey Podcast, the fact that he got fired because he was trying to make a long play with the Flyers. If Craig Leopold hires Ron Hextall. And if Hextall, who I think is a pretty set in his ways, we're gonna he's a real intense dude. Yes. My guess is he's not going to morph his desires. So why would Craig, who who is Mr. Playoffs, be like, you know what? You were doing in Philadelphia it was fantastic. Let's wait five years. I don't see that one. 
Bill Guerin, who was the assistant, or is, I'm sorry, the assistant GM with the Penguins, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He's got knowledge. They like him. Uh, as you said, the third name that you brought up is a guy by the name of Tom Fitzgerald, yeah. who was supposedly the runner-up to Fenton last time. And he is he was and is the Devils' assistant GM. And I think he's a big-time dark horse. I yeah. would not be surprised by him. Um Peter Chiarelli sounds like they just talked to him for yeah, thank God. just to make somebody happy, which is absolutely fine. Thank you. Um, Russo had guys believed to be in contention. Our uh, Canadians assist- assistant GM Scott Mellonby, who is a longtime hockey name, uh, played pros for quite a while, and he, I think, Russo's last piece before what was recently published in the Athletic said that Scott was going to move to Wisconsin now or something, so mm. he's closer okay. as well. Uh, a name who's believed to be in the mix, and you hear this guy, uh, his name floats around constantly for GM jobs. I think it was just in the, I think it was at least floated for the Oilers job, Declan. London Knights Junior Hockey, co-owner and GM Mark Hunter, a longtime yeah. player. And then and then we also got potentially, although I'm not buying this one, Brian Lawton, who was yeah. briefly the Lightning GM and is now a uh, analyst an, an, yeah, on NHL Network, that he is a potential uh, so I would I would say that Garen is probably you're, you're right the front runner at this point, but Tom Fitzgerald's not going to shock me. Yeah, I would. The Hextall thing, I get that they like him. I just don't. I can't see how 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 he was doing things in Philadelphia unless he told uh, unless that's been completely misrepresented. I don't see how that dovetails at all with what Craig wants. I mean, is he really going to? And by the way, Hextall is wound super tight. He's the type of guy who would tell Craig, get the bleep out of my office. I oh, told yeah. you what we're doing. Right. Like, and, and if that flies, that's fine. Right. I just don't see how that flies. Yeah, it, it, it seems if it was Hextall, I wouldn't say it would be Fenton 2.0 because nothing can, I don't think, Trop can get that low. I think, he's, I think Hextall's competent. But, he, yeah, he's a competent GM, and he might be able to pretty much be the guy that you and I have been talking about. Tell Craig, like, Craig, butt out. Like you got you let me run this ship, and if I don't do it well in a three to five years yeah, plan, come then back and fire me. come back and fire me, whatever. But you got to stay out of my way and stay out of stay out of the affairs of what I want to do here. I think Guerin is the more sexier pick, and he's a younger guy. He's forty eight years old, been kind of all over the Penguins' developmental side, yep. the AHL team. So he's essentially been the right hand man to a pretty good dynasty over the last ten years in the NHL. So I think. If you're a Wild fan and you want to see this team get in back in the right direction, I think Guerin's the guy. I really do. And I think he's someone who may, might not be able to tell Leopold, like you and I were saying just earlier, to butt out. He might not have that privilege yet. But I think from a hockey sense and a competent sense, I think Craig would be able to be like, all right, you know what, I am going to let this guy go, and Craig might be able to just remove himself from the situation. Well, he, Easier said than done. But. He needs to take steps backwards. Yes, he does. For the sake and health of this franchise. Now, the, the uh, also the interesting tie-in that we talked about on the previous podcast with Garen is that he is good friends with Mike Madano, and Madano's the X factor here because it's Leopold, Matt Maka, who's the team president, and they're the two that decided on Paul Fenton. Yeah. Madano now is is working for the team from a business standpoint, but he's been looped in on this. So now it's those three talking to candidates. And 
Declan, I'm still not convinced that long term here that Madonna's not going to be something like president of hockey operations. Yeah. Not GM. Uh, but I could see him certainly within the next few years or so slowly but surely transitioning into a more of a hockey advisory role. And if he's friends with Garen, this might set things up to be smoother in that direction as well. So it does make sense. Yeah. But I just I do not buy that Mike Madano is going to to move his family. I believe that they're in Arizona or have been in Arizona here so that he can go shake hands with, you know, clients. Yeah. Like short term I can see that. But I I really believe if you read between the lines this definitely has him becoming more and more involved, probably in a gradual sense, in a hockey department, hockey ops role. And I think the gradual word you use, I think, is the way to look at it. Because right, right when Fenton got fired, I think our my gut reaction was, oh, it's Madonna. He's This will this will be perfect. I know he was hired on the business side, but this will be a good transition, and it'll be exciting, even though he doesn't have too much GM experience. He's Mike Madonna. People love him in, in Minnesota. This will be great. And then Leopold basically at the press conference said, nope, he's not interested, but he will be part of the process. And I buy that. And I, I, yes. I buy that Mike right. said it, it's not the time. And Mike is a, Mike strikes me as a very smart hockey guy. Yeah. And like, if you were to say, I'll be GM yep. in 2019, that's biting off a lot. Correct. So I could see him being, saying, I can help you here and it's going to be gradual and I'm going, I'm going to learn more and more, mm-hmm. but there is no... I could see Mike saying there is no way that I'm prepared to be a GM of this team starting today. Correct, and I think that's good. I think that if him and Guerin, who are just... By, by the way, McDonald's 49, Guerin's 48. So they're very close in age, and 49. you're 49. Well, I've, we already discussed... I like, I like working here, but... You, we've already discussed I mean, my I assistant could, GM roles and the trades I would have made last year, and I, I still don't know why we, they didn't listen to me. But oh, that's, there's a good reason that, 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 Those that, are some that, of the yeah. worst trades I've ever Yeah, heard. I know. So... I really, I really think if it was Gearin, him and Madano would, yes, gradual is the way I think I would look at that as they can slowly build this thing back from the ashes and, and, and get it back to a respectable hockey team. All right, let's get to it. It's geeky. Oh, I love this. It's August 13th, is that correct? Yep. I mean, this is as nerd as you can get. So if you're not a hockey nerd, my suggestion is... Shut the thing off. Yeah. It, it, Just hit is, the stop button. What What's a podcast now? Is it like a stop button? Is it like play and record buttons? I, I know, know there's, what you hit. There's probably an advertisement that, okay. that is enabled in here very okay, soon. Well, but. well, okay. Well, you know what? Find out who, who endorses this thing and, and patronize them. But uh, we are going to get to, and now it's time for on Judd's Hockey Show, line combinations. Oh, this is the best. This comes from, from Russo's story in The Athletic, a lengthy Q&A, which if you subscribe or don't, you might want to because it's interesting uh, that uh, Michael did with Bruce Boudreaux. But I thought the best part was the potential line combinations going into training camp. And Bruce is saying, now, I don't buy this, but Bruce is saying all the right things of, I want my lines to be uh, way more stable. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to break them up. I mean, this guy panics in the second period and breaks lines. Oh, yeah, he'll he'll do it. But anyway, let's start. And I'll go through them. Okay. You react first. Got it. Let's start with line combination mania. First line opening day of training camp. Sounds like it's going to be Zucker on the left wing. Yep. Left-handed shot. Eric Stahl at center. Left-handed shot. Free agent acquisition Matt Zuccarella on the right wing. Left-handed shot, but it was made abundantly clear to us he's very comfortable playing on the right side, yep. there will not be an issue because 
there might have been a few issues with people <laughs> that they asked to switch left shots and play right wing. Right. That's line one. Do, do you want me to go through all four lines first, or do you want to react line by line? Uh, let's, let's go line by line. Then go so I, I think I'm not surprised at all by this top one. I think this is the one that you could even, like you said, you could put this in pen right now, and I think this is going to stick for training camp. Will they stick together all season or even through the first game of the season? We don't know with Bruce. but My guess is the guy, uh, a left wing on the second line is, saw this, read this, and already made a phone call yeah. to Bruce. And Boudreaux's comments about Zuccarello, we're pretty telling that, hey, he's our free agent signing, and we're going to play him on the top power play. We're yes. going to put him on the top line. Yes. And it was, it, I mean, good. That should be the case. But it's almost like Bruce Bruce kind of ch- is challenging him, like, this is the free agent acquisition. Let's yeah, see what's I happening. He's like, I didn't sign yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't sign him. Paul signed you, so let's see what let's, you do. Let's see what you do. But he's right. I'm, yeah, he's I'm right. totally cool he's with right. everything he said about Zuccarello. So I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not surprised at all. He's top line and top power play unit. That's That line does not shock me. It's the next one that things now start to get a little complicated, but interesting. Okay, the first line, what, what uh, I'm, I'm with you. The Zuccarello thing does not surprise me. It's it's appropriate. It's just absolutely fine. Uh, the one thing I will say is this, though. Stahl and Zucker playing on that first line is a big time, okay, prove it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're going to be demoted probably fairly quickly, right? Yeah. You know, because... Bruce talked about, too, Jason hit all these posts last year and all the luck he had two years ago in scoring what I believe he's had 31 goals a couple years ago. He didn't have. okay, but this is very this is to me for Stahl and for Jason. This is very much the pressure's on. Yep. Like you get out there the first day of training camp and you prove that you're first line players still because both those guys last year came nowhere close to being first line guys. And I would argue that the that if, if we were to break down the fundamental flaws in this team right now and why they're not a playoff team. Stahl having to start as the first-line center on day one of camp is an enormous issue. He's not a young man. He's coming off a bad year. I know two years ago he was great, but you can't expect that again. Correct. Um, To me, he's a depth guy on a good team. But I go, Bruce is right, free agent signing, Zuccarello belongs there. Stahl and Zucker, prove it. You better damn well prove it. And yeah. if and if you don't, you ain't staying there for long. Correct. And Bruce was talking to about how. Uh, by the way, I love that. Yeah, love it too. I love what he's doing. It's it's really good. It's really good. He's a good coach. That's why I I really I'm like Bruce you. Boudreaux. We both like. And him. with Zucker and Boudreaux brought it up that look, this guy hit so many posts last year. The the same shots that went in for him two years ago didn't go on for him this year. He did have a very low shooting percentage. That that's usually hard to replicate. You would think that Zucker should be able to score more goals this year. But, like you said, he still has to prove it. And he's also a guy who, when the Wild have been in the postseason, just has never shown up. So, yeah, he's a he's an asset. He's a good player. I, I like he can, he, he, he can score goals. Absolutely. But this is going to be a big year for him to prove it that he Fenton was wrong to ever think to trade him four times in a three-month span. And, and for him and Eric Stahl to really have to bounce back and say that, hey— you, we need we need you guys to be on our top line. We need you to be successful. All right, second line. Let the mind games begin. Yes. Second line, left wing, Zach Parisi. Yep. Center, right-handed shot, Luke Cunning. Mm-hmm. Right wing, left-handed shot, not necessarily comfortable, probably on this side, Kevin Fiala. 
who, by the way, is also a re- what a restricted our free talk agent, about that later and he's not too. signed yeah. yet, and so this might get to Couple be a problem. This could get to be a problem, but anyway, let, let's yeah. forget that for now. Yep. Parisi, Cunning, Fiala, second line. I got a lot of thoughts here, but I want you to start. Very intriguing. Um, I'm not surprised that Fiala and is going to be given kind of first dibs on a top six role over Donato and Greenway. I think he's been around a little bit longer, but as Boudreaux told Russo in The Athletic 2, this is now time for him to step up and do it consistently. We saw two seasons, two years ago, he had, the great, he had a good year in Nashville, and then he had the, horrend- uh, the really horrific injury where he broke his leg in the postseason, and that's a tough one to come back from. We all, we've, Minnesota Wild fans have seen plenty of players break their legs into the boards like that. It's a terrifying play. But now you have to prove that you're, you belong here. And he's probably, and, I, and these RFAs I make, do make things a little bit difficult, but I, I would, if I'm him, I'm looking for a bridge deal. Or, I would, I, or excuse me, if I'm a fan or if I'm a member of the front office, I'm, I'm going to give you a bridge deal, oh, dude. No, you're if, not if, you, if you're trying to score a four- or five-year deal right now off the little oh, bit gonna, of happen. credit you have, no, take the bridge, He's going to get a bridge. Get a bridge deal, and if you want your payday two years from now, you can get it from us or You're cra- go find it somewhere else. You'd be absolutely crazy to give but, him anything more than a bridge deal. And I, but I want Cunning at center. And, and, and Boudreaux said he thinks he's a bet. We're, di- we're dibble-dabbling into coil territory already with Luke Cunning, which I don't like. But we have to give him the first crack at center. He's mentally stronger than Charlie he, was, he's, though. He's mentally stronger. Point in his career. Hell of a lot more of a leader. Yeah. Um, I want the first crack at center for him. and Because if, if you put Cunning at wing... It's going to make things even actually more confusing than they already out are. Who really doesn't deserve? Correct. It. Because so, actually, the centers and I'm not an advocate because they don't have a really really good one. Yeah. But the centers actually work. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm going through here, and I'm going to end on a guy who probably does not belong on the <laughs> roster. Um, but yeah, I, I like. But I like getting a top six role. I love everything about this because one, he's doing this to Parisi on purpose. Because he is going, Zach is going to breathe down Jason's neck until he gets that first. If Zach is healthy, Zach is going to go after that first line left wing job, and he is going to make Jason's life as much of a hell as a teammate can. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah, I love doing that. Yeah. Ordinarily, you'd go uh, Parisi, Stall, Zuccarello, but this puts pressure on Jason. This basically says. Not only do you have to perform, but somebody's going to be right behind you all the time who's going to absolutely be after you yep. and your job. Yep. Can you do it? Can you? Are you mentally strong enough? Can you do it? Not are you a good person. We all know Jason Zucker's a good person. Yeah. Can you do this? Incredible pressure on Jason Zucker. And, and Zach being in the position he is in right now, viewing this organization, I think— I think this is a very interesting spot for him as a leader, being like, my time is ticking. I've already—I've right. voiced that to the public, well, essentially. Yeah. So— we have to do this now or get me out. And Zach will not be happy from day one of camp with right. this role. He, yep. He's going to want that first line oh, yeah. left wing role. And, and I almost guarantee you that there's a good chance that he read this piece in The Athletic and called Bruce up and said, what's going on here? I, mm-hmm. I want that role. Yeah. Um, Next the, one. The Fiala one yeah. I think is, is good. I think he might struggle on that side. Yeah. I don't know if he's mentally tough at all. I, I can't don't, tell. Yeah. I think he'll probably get. I think he'll be on the number one power play unit. Maybe he's the one of the top options on the second one, but I think he'll get an opportunity to be on the top power play unit. And Cunning, I I absolutely love. Oh, like, love I, and I don't think he's going to yeah. be. He might not be a great player, but he's it's just so to tough. Me. Yeah, he's fascinating to me. And, and putting him at second line center is a really good idea. Yep. 
In fact, it's very Zolgad approved because <laughs> now I'm going to get to the third line. Yes, here we go. Even more complicated. If there is a call coming in from the western suburbs to Bruce's cell phone, I can almost guarantee you there's also one coming in from Finland to Bruce's cell phone. Third line. Ryan Donato left hand shot on the left wing. I'm going to skip to the right wing and make this more fun. Okay. Jordan Greenway left hand shot on the right wing. I do believe I don't that that was not specified, but I'm guessing and they might flip them, but I'm guessing that it's it's Donato Greenway. Perhaps Greenway would be on the left wing and Donato would be on the right wing. I don't know for sure. But here's where it gets juicy as all get out. When he comes back, depending on how he comes back, yeah. Miko Koivu, third line center. And there was not much in Bruce's comments that left a lot of room open for Miko might be first or second line. Yeah, I could see him being comfortable not being first line. Uh, when he comes back, if he's kept th- third line, then Bruce just became my favorite coach in the history yeah. of coaches. Yeah, that takes because that's going to be if Parisi not being above Zucker on the first line is going to be an, an issue. Mm-hmm. When Miko feels that he's healthy, if he's still on the third line, that's going to be a big issue. I love this. Yeah, that this is why um, this is big for Miko, and it's good for the t- it's good for the rest of the team because. Eric Stahl is going to get first crack as a top-line center because he's just clearly the most healthiest and he's the most proven center that the Wild have right now. Then you're giving it, you're giving Luke Cunning a top-six role too, which, again, I love. That's something I've been harping on. I want young kids getting big playing time. That's great. And if Miko, let's say he does come back on opening night and, he, and his leg's fully ready. I don't buy that still, but let, let's, let's go down that road. If he can be your third-line center and be your top penalty killer, Maybe still get some power play time every once in a while. But if you can just make him into this role of being a nice checking third line center, Mm -hmm. which is what he's pretty much been for the better part of the last two years. And if he can accept that role, it is good for everyone else on the roster. It's just like you said, will he be able to be okay with that? We already know Zach is going to be pushing, but will Miko be okay with that watching stall and Cunning succeed? And and then especially, yeah. and, 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 Miko being essentially buried behind the two. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. We do know for, for a fact that Miko, uh, Zach, and Suter have never been satisfied with taking on what roles that they don't think they should be in. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be... But Bruce is right, and you know what? Miko's coming off a major knee issue uh, What toward the ACL in Buffalo last yeah. February. Is that yeah. correct? So his thought process is just spot on. Donato and Greenway, to me, definitely have room to move up to top six roles at some point yep. here, probably soon. And, and I think Fiala, I think if Fiala struggles, he's third line yeah. very, very quickly. I wouldn't. It, Donato, right shot off the top of your head. I, I have him down as a um, left hand shot. I would. I've, I think I've said on a past podcast, I think him with Parise, him cleaning up with Parise, cleaning up the garbage in front that you know Donato's going to shoot at will, I think those two would make a match made in heaven. That's just, that's just kind of how. I look at it. He Four. is he is a left shot, by the way, Donato. Fourth line, Marcus Foligno, left wing. Yep, earned it last year. Yeah, he's deserves great. it completely. Yeah, Erickson Eck is your fourth line center. Hmm, hmm. got to wonder if he could bump up to third line at, at some point in time. Yep. Uh, and but by the way, of if if they are relatively healthy, um, Suter, Parisi, and Koivu. Koivu is the one that I'm bumping down the farthest right now yeah like zach i'm not doing that to yet 
with Ryan, you wouldn't do that. Like he can still, I would play him a little bit less, but yeah. he can still really play. Um, Eric Sinek, if he begins to emerge, that becomes an issue because he is not a fourth line talent when he's playing well. Yeah. And then on the right hand side, um, two options according to Bruce: J.T. Brown, who I don't think makes the team. No, I don't think so. Either. And and a guy that they signed um, during the free agency period, a right handed shot, Ryan, Ryan Hartman, yeah, Hartman. Who? So I think that this on. Uh, eventually in training camp once cuts start to come yeah. because I think Brown's gone. Yeah. I think it's Felino, Eck, Hartman as your fourth line. Right, and I think I think in Penn right now it's pretty safe to say that Felino and Hartman are on the wings of that fourth line and, and will be pretty consistent penalty killers. It's just who centers them. Is it Victor Rask? Is it Erickson Eck? Oh, we'll or... Is it even Miko? Like seriously, like I, 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 is it Nico Strom or is it Miko? Even I, I could say oh, even. You're oh no, I, that, that's what I'm saying. Is Erickson Eck? If if Erickson Eck begins to emerge, you've got an issue, yeah. and you've got to pick somebody now. Now, would they move Cunning off a of center back to wing then and <sighs> try and finesse? You know, but they've done these things before, mm-hmm. uh, Declan. So it's it's impossible right. to say. Well, that that would be they. No, they wouldn't do that. Um, but Eric Sinek definitely, if he if he does what they think he can do, he's not a fourth line player. Yeah, like he's not. He's a he's he's third line at least. Yeah. But then again, if he emerges, I'm not going to be really shocked to see Cunning get bumped back to wing. Right. Because he's a right handed shot, and you can do do that. To me, this all depends on on three guys on the wings too: Fiala, Greenway, Donato. Yeah. Donato, I'm pretty sold on right now. I am as well. Greenway, I want to be. I'm not completely, but I love the size. Yeah. Fiala, I could see. I could see Fiala scoring 35 goals, and you're like, oh my god, Paul Fenton was right, and I could see him scoring <laughs> 10. 10 goals <laughs> and just being a just being a washout and not yeah. working as hard as he should. I don't know with that guy no. at all. Donato, I saw it. Mm-hmm. Greenway, I saw flashes. Eric Sinek, same way, right? Right. Like you saw flashes. Uh, Fiala, I need to see. And I think starting Fiala on the right side is not going to be a positive for him. So so the the line juggling will start quickly. But, yeah, yeah your, your fourth line, I think you're right. I think it's Foligno, Erickson, Eck, and uh, Ryan Hartman. And if you move Cun into wing, that means your centers would be Stahl, Eck, Miko, Rask. And basically, Stahl as the number one center by default. And who emerges as the other second, third, fourth line centers and, and it's a lot of question marks with both with all three, Ek, Miko, Rask. I think Rask, I think they're going something's gonna happen there and it probably won't be during training camp. Yeah. I don't think he's on this roster very long. I, I, he's a yeah. reminder. You know what he is? He's the he's the photo you can't bear to look at. He's the he's the family heirloom that you just throw away because you can't because it brings up conjures up mm-hmm. memories that are really negative yeah he is fiala might have been a mistake i don't know but he might not have been too yeah like i'm not i'm not gonna bail on fiala victor rask is going to remind everybody every second uh, of the day of paul fenton and yeah. it's one of the worst trades it is the worst trade i really do believe in wild history oh for sure it's right up there and with it's going Barker to be up there and, yeah. probably in the annals of national hockey league bad trades oh yeah i mean even when but they... they've got other fourth line guys yeah. that they can bring up and have play um i just i i don't see victor rask probably the sight of him wants to make a lot of people within that organization regurgitate their lunch right and, and I can't blame and him. And he for has, that. and Boudreaux said too. I mean, this is probably the most hungry he's going to have to be since his rookie season because he's never been this low before. His, his value and his perception has never been well, this low before. 
Yeah, he's going to a four million dollar scratch every night. He's just a scratch. So if I, I essentially, if he has a strong training camp, and if someone can take the six, and if and maybe he another team, but he can't really skate. He can't. Well, apparently he's working on it. We're going to figure out. We're going to figure. Don't know that I think you can reinvent your skating. At this I agree. Age. I, I'm with you. It's it's a tough road for him, but they're going to give him an opportunity to try and prove that he can. But I do believe human nature being what it is. I do believe that the sight of him is going to be nothing but a reminder of Paul. Fenton. Yeah, I. I I and think, that's not even, and that isn't even fair to him, right? But you know how people are. Yes, of course they're going to automatically just put his you face think Bruce next to his. Boudreaux is going to be happy to see this kid at training camp. No, I he, mean the guy who tried to fire Bruce acquired this guy, traded away a commodity, and I, Nino probably, with with how he was used, should have been traded. Yes, but you got to get something, something for him, back for it. Which that is was... why the Fiala, the Graham trade, people get upset about. I'm not even that upset about that trade at all, really. The Coil trade, I like. I love the Coil trade. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I mean, he went home and did great and good for him. But you got, but you got a yeah. really hungry, young, hardworking player. Rask is just, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's, I think it's just a disastrous trade. I guess you know, to kind of wrap things up, there's there's going to be 28 players into training camp and into that first preseason game, which is a lot of players to carry starting in a preseason. And very there's few, very few star type players. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people, not very, yeah, pretty much no star player, but so much depth. And I think Boudreaux is well aware that then this is going to be a unique and, and difficult position to be in when Nico scrums and Mayhews and guys that had really nice minor league seasons. I mean, we forget that the Wilds AHL affiliate was finally good last year for the first time in a decade. That was Paul's big thing. So He built Milwaukee, my man. So there's going to be opportunities for players to succeed, and, and how Boudreaux goes about those cuts and this roster construction is, is going to be fascinating. All right, that was as geeky of hockey talk on August 13th as one could possibly get. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, he's Declan. I'm Judd. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I can't believe we're. This is three, uh, the fourth Judd's hockey show since June 29th, July 20, July 29th. Wow. So four weeks. Hockey podcasts take this time off, which they should, and we have geeky things to talk about. So thank you for listening. I'm sure we're back soon. All right. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.